I got the phone call from the founder of the startup. He said, hey, I just wanted to let you know what's going on. We, um, we're being sued. One of our coders stole code from another app. We're going to file for bankruptcy due to this. Uh, just letting you know that we're, we're not going to be able to do anything moving forward from here. When you're growing a business, you just don't think about things like, what if I were to lose 60% of my revenue overnight? You say, oh, well, that wouldn't happen to me. And that's the case with so many things in life. But um, when it comes to a business, you really just need to think with that other side of your brain that says it could happen. You need to be prepared for something like that if it does happen and move from there. This is Andrew Fine, founder and director of Saturn Agency. I'm Sonia. And this is the Plan B Podcast. Here we talk about instances when Plan A didn't work out, how to pivot to get on with Plan B, and what learnings stay with us as part of the experience. Andrew approached me after listening to the podcast to share his gut-wrenching story. After bringing on a new client to his agency, things seemed all great until that company filed for bankruptcy. Not only did Andrew lose 60% of his revenue overnight, but he also had to rethink his business growth strategy. His story is a powerful reminder that sometimes things are too good to be true. We will talk about the most common mistakes of small businesses when it comes to running their own paid advertising campaigns, allocation of revenue by a client for small businesses and when to say no, and his best practice approach to growing agencies wide and shallow for long-term success. podcast. I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yes. Awesome. Um, so really funny story. We don't actually know each other um, before this call, um, but Andrew got in touch and he was like, I have the perfect story to tell on your podcast. That is exactly how it happened. <laughs> and it's absolutely true. <laughs> and he was like, I have, I have a massive plan A that didn't work out and I want to talk about plan B. And we had a little bit of a chat beforehand and I think it's going to be really, really interesting talk and super relevant to a lot of people. Um, so Andrew, do you want to give a little bit of an introduction of who you are and what you currently do? I'd be happy to. Uh, so my name is Andrew Fine. I'm the founder and marketing director of Saturn Agency. We're a creative first agency uh, that focuses on startups and, and uh consumer brands, things like that. We do creative first and then see how that works for things like PPC ads and organic social media and growing your brand and things like that. So the topic of this podcast is obviously when plan A didn't work out and sort of how life throws plan B, C, D at us and then we pivot and we learn from it. Um, before we go into your specific situation, can you tell me a little bit more, what's your view on mistakes or failures in general if you are planning or you don't think that mistakes are going to arise within your business or your marketing plan or anything then you are blinded by a false narrative mistakes happen things fail it's part of it that's why roles like mine exist because my job is to make sure that we get over that mistake. We get back to track as soon as possible and we're able to continue going. Mistakes always happen, but the important part of it is learning from it and then you're fine. Does it happen quite often that clients come to you and are like, well, I tried it out myself and I, I, I couldn't figure it out. And so here you are my plan B. Is, is that the conversation you have? 
every single time. Why do you think they end up coming to agencies like you in the first place? Um, a lot of the smaller companies, with a lot of the startups, especially, um, they will try to do something like run PPC ads on their own through Facebook and Instagram. And they won't realize how much goes into it and how much the targeting matters, how much the creative of it matters, knowing where to place it, where not to place it, things like that. And when you have someone who doesn't know what they're really doing with it and they just think, oh, it's just Facebook. I know how to use Facebook. I could do it. They just don't have it optimized the right way. They wind up spending a lot of money really quick on something that doesn't give them any results. And it either gives them the idea of, oh, well, this stuff doesn't work. I'm getting out of this. Or it says, I need somebody who could help me. So I've been talking recently with a lot of small business owners. And I hadn't really realized this beforehand because I never really thought about it in depth. But we ask small business owners to be experts at a lot of things, especially when it comes to marketing. And so what you just said makes complete sense because... There's so many intricacies in product marketing, PPC, social media, and we make it look very easy. Or at least when you go on TikTok, for example, and you look at marketing TikTokers, they are just like, oh, just do this. Just follow those three simple rules. But at the end of the day, that's not always a very customized approach to most small businesses. So when they come to you, what what are like the most common mistakes you see? One of the most common ones that I see is um, a brand, no matter the size, will start running ads before they do anything on organic social media. They might have posted one, two, three, five posts, but they're not really doing any strategies on organic social media that are bringing in sales. And I'm a very big preacher of you should be figuring out exactly who your customer is, exactly who is the person purchasing from you. And you do that by building engagement online by you know bringing people in without paying anything for it so that they understand who your brand is and you're able to just um you know sell it off to them organically and then you know all right these are the people who are actually interested a hundred percent in my brand i need more people like that and you're able to run ads to them and so one of the strategies i use a lot on social media is something called the 10 by two Instagram method. I don't know if you're familiar with it at all, but it's just basically like uh, outreach engagement for like Instagram. You're commenting on your ideal audience's posts and liking and et cetera, so that they get curious of who you are and they come check you out and things like that. And I preach that a lot to a lot of the businesses that we work with, but you should do something like that first before we start running ads so that we know exactly who we're working with. And they say, okay. And they think it's like no big deal. It's commenting and, and liking who that doesn't take any time. But when you have to do it for one to two hours a day, it becomes a very big uh, ordeal. I think that is just one of those things that you will only know if you've worked on social media for a really long time, or if you've worked in PPC for a really long time, because what you need is a basic understanding of how the different platforms work mechanically so that you can build strategies on top of that. If you just use them as a user, what most small business owners do, they they use Instagram maybe beforehand as a user, and then they start doing business on Instagram. It's it's very, very different. You know, your understand your level of understanding needs to be very different from just scrolling through it to actually like advertising on it and growing yeah. a business from it. Absolutely. 
So what was the situation that you wanted to talk about today? Well, the situation is a mistake we made in the second year of business for us, which was we were at a point where we were still taking in any clients we could get. We wanted to just grow as much as we could. And we wanted to just uh, bootstrap as much money as we were able to at the time. Uh, and we wound up coming across an opportunity with a startup. They were an app who uh, they wound up taking up 60% of our revenue at the time, which, you know, when you first start out, one client is 100% of your revenue. Obviously, you have two, maybe that's 50%. Once you start getting around six to 10 clients under your belt and you have one that's taking up 60% of your revenue, that is a huge hit that like you need to make sure that like they are good and what we told ourselves at the time was like we will um we're going to take them and then we're going to find more we're going to find more clients like them so that we're fine like we there was nothing in our heads that like, we could turn down this opportunity we wound up having to hire a bit uh more for that opportunity so that we could meet the demand we wound up being a team of eight at the time and then about six months or so into working with them. Uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. I, um, I got the phone call from the founder of the startup and he said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know what's going on. We, um, we're being sued. One of our coders stole code from another app. We're going to file for bankruptcy due to this. Uh, just letting you know that we're, we're not going to be able to do anything moving forward from here. And so like that, within like a five-minute conversation, we lost 60% of our revenue and we were kind of left just speechless for a moment. We didn't really know what to do. That's crazy. And as you said, I, I don't think that that's very uncommon for small businesses and small agencies, right? The size that you're talking of. Because as you said, like when you start an agency, diversifying your risk becomes so important. So you took on this client full well knowing that they were going to be a massive chunk of your revenue stream. Um, and, and you already said like you were trying to justify it. But what were the concerns at the time? Sort of talk me through your thinking process at the time with your co-founder. Our thinking process at the time was, this is a great opportunity. It wasn't even like we had to go in and pitch them in like more or anything like that. They wanted to work with us. They approached us. So it was like this God given opportunity that just came to us. And they said, we want to work with you. Here is more money than you know what to do with. And we just said like, we would be insane to turn this down. Like we want to grow as a company. We want to bring in more clients. How could we ever turn them down? We knew exactly what to do for them. It was running PPC ads most of the time and, helping them with a lot of their content for social media. But other than that, it was so straightforward in our head. We just, and, and it was definitely us being naive about it, but we didn't want to think about the, the possibility of we lose them overnight and all of a sudden we lose a huge chunk of our revenue. Did you guys do any due diligence on them back then? We did, but as soon as they mentioned it was due to filing for bankruptcy like yeah. there's nothing that kind of voids most things yeah no that makes sense okay 
So they came on and then you said also what you were talking about with your co-founder was to get other large businesses on board. Yep. What was the thinking behind that? And, and how did you pursue that at the time? We were convinced. So when this startup reached out to us, they reached out to us through LinkedIn. And so we said, look at how they reached out to us. Look at how like we wind up closing them. If we just repeat this process more and more, we should get more of them. And we were convinced it was going to happen. And realistically, we never closed another client, anything near that. We didn't do anything that was remotely as good as them. Um, so it really just wound up being most of our effort goes to this one startup. And we're, we're going to obviously focus on our other clients and make sure our other clients are fine. But we're going to make sure these guys are good because we have to make sure we secure that revenue as long as possible. Yeah. And so the other thing you said was you actually hired people in was the, because I've previously worked for agency as well. And I know that even though there might be 60% of your revenue, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it sort of fills 60% of your work, right? It, usually it fills a lot more than that. Sure. Um, so in percentages, could you give me an indication of like, you know, 80% of the work you were doing was for that client, 90% of the work you were doing for that client. How was it proportionally? So, so we have the company split up in two teams, basically. There's the marketing team, which is obviously what I'm focused on. And then we have the design team, which is web design, app design, things like that. Uh, and then the only content creators within the company are myself and my business partner, who are both we're from like a f photography and a film background. And so we could focus on things together like that. When it came to this client, I would say that for my team, especially, uh, I would say about 80% of our workload was focused on them, which is an astronomical amount, but we were absolutely adamant on making sure that everything was great with them. Did, did you have any hints before it happened or was it just you know, was there any issues with payments or any of that? Or was it just, it just happened? Never, never anything. Never wow. any issues whatsoever. They were a dream client up until we got the phone call saying, we are going bankrupt overnight. We can no longer pay you. And it was just okay. gone. And so tell me what happened then. So after you got the call. Uh, I had to take some time to myself for a few minutes. <laughs> um, but Following that, I had to make some decisions on what we were going to do with the company. You know, who are we letting go of people? What are we doing? What do we have saved up for this? Uh, and what I ended up doing, and maybe this was the wrong decision, maybe it was the right decision, I don't know. I was in a place, I'm young. I was in a place where I don't really have that many expenses to myself. I don't really have to worry about anything. I don't have any kids. So I said, I don't want to let anyone go during this. this is no reflection on who we are or what the work we've done or anything like that. And I took a dramatic decrease to my salary. I took almost nothing home for the next six months so that I could reallocate that money and use it to pay off our employees. And for six months or so, I did exactly that. I took almost nothing home and I made sure everyone was paid. The good news about Losing that client is now we have eighty percent more of our free time again. Let's reuse that and let's, you know, dive into sales a little bit more and let's regrow this the right way. And so we spent the next um, 
six months or so building a list of some new clientele we could work with, make, building relationships, things like that. Uh, and we were able to start growing that 60% back the right way through a more spread out way. So I think from a team morale point of view, that must have been super difficult as well. How did you break the news to the team? I, we were working partially remote at the time. I didn't make everybody go into the office always. It was partially, you could work from home. A lot of people are in the city. Some people lived in Chicago. And so we weren't going to um, be able to do it all at once. And so for anyone who was in the office, I, I came in and I said, listen, guys, we have to talk about this. There's something going on. And I just kind of explained, you know, uh, client XYZ. Uh, we're not going to be working with them anymore. That's cut out. So we're going to reallocate that time. Nothing's going to happen to your salaries. Nothing's going to happen to the pay. Just we're going to refocus the time. Let's get into a meeting as soon as possible. And let's figure out exactly what we're going to do and go from there. So your plan B then in this case was to sort of reshuffle your your clientele and and reach out again. So when you were pulling together your list of clients, what were the things you were particularly looking out for this time? We were working with a lot of consumer brands at the time. And so we said, instead of focusing on startups so much that are funded by all these investors and things like that, let's switch our priority to more of uh, small businesses that are e-commerce based or have a good e-commerce space or e-commerce potential of some sort um, that might have like a brick and mortar store as well, something like that, which kind of led us to working with a lot of different coffee brands. The main learning really we want to talk about today is allocation of revenue by client for small businesses. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit more what you think are the key learnings that you got out of this experience. A really valuable lesson in this is it's okay to say no. And that might not just be because a client might seem too hard or something like that. If you see something like a tidal wave in front of you, which is what this client was for us, and you have to look at it from a business standpoint and a strategic standpoint of where are we going to allocate the money for that and how is this going to work? And if it seems like something that could lead to issues down the line because you had to hire for them or something like that, it's okay to say no. Maybe you can work with them in a different way where you start with one thing, a smaller service with them, something that you know, you're not as worried about hiring and, and, and allocating money the right way and things like that. But it is okay to say no in situations like that you were like actively exposing yourself at the time. So if another client would come up now in the same situation and, and would come with a tidal wave, what safety measures would you take to avoid this ha happening again? The difference now would be I would want to only take on work with them that we could currently handle in-house. We wouldn't have to reach out to anybody. We wouldn't have to do any freelance work. We wouldn't have to outsource anything. We could handle everything in-house how we currently are as a team. Um, and if they needed more than that, that we would outsource. 
it feels a little bit counter in that obviously you want to you want to grow your agency right you want to grow your business so when a big client comes in and you have to hire to service them that feels like the right thing to do you're like yeah of course i'm going to grow my agency sure but i guess actually what you're saying is rather than growing your ad agency that way through actual headcount like keep the flexibility to be able to react to changing circumstances. It's much better to grow wide and shallow. Mm -hmm. That's the one. Wide and shallow. Be, it would yeah. be much better to grow wide and shallow than it would be narrow and deep. Uh, just because you, you want it to be as spread out as possible. So if you were to lose a client again, uh, you don't have to backtrack at all. You could you can get that same amount of revenue uh, from a bunch of different clients that you're doing less work for um, than you could for that one client, and then it's almost like a security measure for you. I mean, from a sales point of view, when you were saying, "Oh, we went on LinkedIn and we were trying to get similar sized customers on," do you think you were really trying the best? to your abilities to get other clients on or were you maybe distracted by the larger client to really we, give that your full attention at the time? That's a great question. And I think that we absolutely were lacking in, um, in trying to bring in other clients the same way. I think that we got comfortable doing the work that we were doing for this client and we just stopped a lot of our sales process, although we kept saying we need to keep trying it. When you're growing a business, you just don't think about things like, what if I were to lose 60% of my revenue overnight? You say, oh, well, that wouldn't happen to me. And that's the case with so many things in life. But um, when it comes to a business, you really just need to think with that other side of your brain that says it could happen. You need to be prepared for something like that if it does happen and move from there. What's the number that small business owners should strive for when they get a large client in? Uh, like the, the, percent, the percentage of time revenue. allocated to them or revenue? Okay. Revenue. Um, I think it fully depends on how many clients you're working with. I really would never have one client that's worth more than 20% even. I would say 20% would be the max. That's very different to the 60% that you... Oh, it's extremely different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I would not be comfortable doing something like that again because it just losing... The potential of losing it. And again, like they were sued for something that we never saw coming. So like even if you prepare everything in the world for making sure this client is secure and they're doing good and all their ads are great, they're getting customers something can come out of left field and you'll never see it coming. And all of a sudden that client is gone and you need to do the right thing at that time. And so I would never be comfortable with having a client worth more than 20%. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on today. It was a really interesting conversation, really, really important at a time like this, where a lot of small businesses are struggling, rebuilding themselves. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for contacting me in the first place and sharing your plan B with us. And um, I'm looking forward to stay in touch. And thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was great.